Welcome to Moms Going Boldly, a Star Trek podcast. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Moms Going Boldly is two moms who love Star Trek and who happen to have children on the autism spectrum. Join me, Elizabeth, and my co-host Vicki as each week we talk about Star Trek episodes, both new and old. Are you ready for the adventure? Come join us on Moms Going Boldly. Welcome back to Moms Going Boldly, where today we're talking about Strange New Worlds, Season 1, Episode 5, Spock Amok. So, Vicki, what did you think of this episode? I like this episode. I'm always up for some levity. (laughs) Some of my favorite episodes in all of Star Trek are the ones that make me laugh, like a piece of the action. But... Yeah. I did find a lot of it predictable, but I'm still a fan. Okay. You know, as soon as we get the line where fun goes to die, we knew that they were going to spend their time on the ship doing something out of character. And then as soon as <laughs> Enterprise Bingo came up, we knew they were going to try that. Then the body swap thing, and it was obvious that as soon as we found out they weren't going to swap back, or that both of them are going to get called to their jobs for some crisis. At first, I thought they weren't going to tell anybody and they were just going to play each other. So I was glad that they told Pike relatively yeah. quickly. But I did like it. I did. I am not saying I didn't like it. I actually thought that it was um, brilliantly done, especially as far as the levity is concerned. I agree with you. I think the levity was important, especially since we had just finished last week's episode that was so dark in, in tone. Right. And so difficult. I mean, it had blood. It had jump scares. It had memories of Lon's brother just before he was eaten by the Gorn babies. I mean, that was a really heavy episode. And so yeah. now we have this really light, fun episode, which still served to grow the characters. And I thought it did a lovely job of combining humor with poignancy. Yeah. And yeah. I, like I said, I did appreciate it. I did like it. Some of it was a little predictable, but I would love to see more of these. It actually did surprise me just a little bit. I thought it was going to be an episode setting the stage for how much we were going to hate to prank. Okay. <laughs> because, you know, she dumps him not too far in the future. And right. so, you know, I thought we were going to get to the point where, okay, we're laying the foundation for why to prank was a bad match to begin with. Okay, yeah. That's what I thought. And it didn't work out that way, so I was actually pleasantly surprised by that. I didn't even think of that, yeah. When I went into this episode, I thought it was going to be his Ponfar, because somewhere along the line, I think it was in the Menagerie, he said he spent 11 years on Pike's ship. So we saw one Ponfar in the original series, so I assumed maybe this was going to be the, you know, the one seven years prior. And that was a good thought. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. That's a good thought. So anyway, okay, well, let's get started here. Okay. This... Very fun episode. Starts off with a dream sequence, which was clearly a dream sequence, but it completely and perfectly mirrored the sequence in the original series episode, A Mock Time, where Spock goes back to Vulcan and is getting ready to marry T'Pring or mate with T'Pring because he's in his pond farm. Right. And then she stops it and declares Kunat Kali Fi, I think. Um, and then he has to fight. 
himself. But instead, it was a very symbolic dream of his Vulcan self fighting with his human self because she declares Kunat Kalifi because his Vulcan ears were gone and he was human and she was like, no, I'm not going to marry you. So you got to see a vision of what his fears were. And then we learn that she's actually come to visit. They're at Starbase 1, the oldest Starbase in the Federation. And she's joining him there and he's got work to do and she's got work to do but she is deeply and painfully high maintenance like (laughs) horrible she walks in and starts complaining about his decor yeah (laughs) decor yeah yeah and moving things and i was thinking oh my gosh we're just gonna sit here and hate her because (laughs) because she's just so awful right (laughs) Anyway, and then she's like, really like, I'm here. You have to give up everything that you have to do. You are not allowed to have any other responsibilities except me. Right. And as it turned out, she had a crisis of her own that she would have had to leave. Right. Exactly. Right. But at the time, all we're thinking is, oh, my gosh, she's just showing up. She's not flexible. She's (laughs) (laughs) she's high maintenance. Oh, she's horrible. And so that's what I was thinking. This is just setting us up for that framework of when she dumps him. Well, in a way, it's all good. It's going to be good. We're all going to be good with it because she was so difficult. Right, but in a way, it is setting us up for that. That's we're, true. We're already seeing the conflict. Yeah. So then we also have a storyline where Captain Pike and Admiral April and Cadet Uhura are going to try to have some kind of negotiations with uh, a prospective new members of the Federation called the Rongovian Protectorate. And they have a very strategically important placement in space because they would allow free trade into areas that would otherwise be controlled by the Klingons or the Romulans, I think. Mm -hmm. But the first delegation that went was Tellarites, and they started yelling at the Tellarites and got into a big argument and left. So Yeah, but aren't you supposed to yell at Tellarites? Yes, exactly. That's That's what I'm thinking. (laughs) Um, And we learn that these folks are empathetic. Their communication style is very empathetic. Right. So you kind of have to assume, I did, that by yelling at the Tellarite, they were essentially like trying to work with the Tellarites, except that however it went with the Tellarites, by yelling at them, they still didn't get what they needed from the Tellarites, and so they broke off negotiations. Right. So even though they were responding appropriately and culturally to the Tellarites, they still weren't agreeing to the negotiations. Right. Then we've got Chapel and Ortegas and Dr. Benga going to go on shore leave. They're at the space station. And so a whole bunch of the crew is going on short, to short leave. And so Chapel's going to go meet a, an on-again, off-again boyfriend. And Ortega's, we don't know what she's doing. At least I don't remember what she's doing. But she's, you know, going down to have fun. And she kind of knows what Chapel's plans are about this on-again, off-again boyfriend who she doesn't want to be committed to. Right. And then Dr. Mbenga just wants to go fishing. <laughs> so it's just really cute. Yeah. But as they're leaving, Una and Lon are there watching because Lon says it's better to watch and make sure everybody disembarks than just assume it happens. Right. And then there's somehow there's a reference to how both Lon and Una, the the crew have a joke about them is that they're where fun goes to die. Right. (laughs) So hilarious. And they're like, did you know about that? I didn't know about that. Did you know they called us that? And so it was like, and, and they didn't care. I do think they did care. They wouldn't have talked about it. They're pre- I guess you're right. They're yeah. pretending there was a lot of conversation. Right. About they're it. they're pretending not to care, but they do. Yeah. Yeah. So 
thought goes into the negotiations just to get like an update because they're supposed to sh- start the next day. But instead, this delegation shows up, and all of a sudden, Spark is supposed to be has to be in these negotiations instead of having dinner with Tuprick. Mm-hmm. And you know, he's got no no choice. And so they start these negotiations early, and the, it seems like it's going well. They seem like they like Captain Pike. It's all good. But then when he gets back to his quarters, Tuprick is like all in a snit. Because he missed dinner. And then, you know, I'm still thinking, oh, we're just going to hate her. We're going to hate her. We're going to hate her. <laughs> and he's all upset. And he goes to the bar. Spot goes to the bar. <laughs> I know. Upset. And Chapel sees in there and she dumps her would-be boyfriend who's trying to, like, figure out how serious this relationship is going to be. And she goes and talks to Spock and she gives him advice and tells him, you know what? You need to, like, pay more attention to your girlfriend. She, she, she had dinner for you and then you blew it. You need to prioritize her. Right. And you can kind of see how things are starting to turn a little bit for Chapel in Spock's company. So then Spock proposes this special ritual with Chapring where they get to touch each other's souls. And she's like, okay, we can do this. And as soon as they do it, they go into the other body and they can't get out. And so now Chapring is in Spock's body and Spock is in Chapring's body. Right. And just when you think, and I love how it is like, you know, this sounds like hijinks. They kept saying, <laughs> "Yes, we can't get into hijinks. We can't do any hijinks." <laughs> right? It cracked me up, man. But hijinks might be logical. It was just—I was just by this point, I started laughing out loud, and I, there was—I was laughing out loud for a lot of the rest of the episode. <laughs> oh yeah, I yeah. thought it was funny. Yeah. So, and of course, at that moment, you know, um, Captain Pike thinks that the negotiations have been colluded because the Rogovians, I think is how it's pronounced, liked him and it was all really good. But then April's like, "Mm, nope, they don't, they don't, (laughs) they don't like you. And there's only one person that they're willing to talk to now. And of course, it's going to be Spock, who is Spock's body, but to Pring's personality. Right. So as you pointed out, yes, when Pike came in and said, we're going to, we need you to come back. They, they told him what was going on. Right. Which was good. Yes, because, you know, we're talking about hijinks and, you know, this is the Freaky Friday thing here. And I really thought they were going to go through the whole episode not telling anybody they switched. And I was going to Yeah, and I was really glad because it was a logical thing to do to tell the captain. Right, right. But they still did it. Right. To bring in Spock's body went to these negotiations. And then while she's gone, Spock into Pring's body gets notification that her job, which is converting Vulcan criminals back to logic that's her job so she had to go approach a Vulcan criminal to convert him back to logic now what I thought was going to happen was that to bring in Spock's body was going to use her Vulcan criminology background and realize that the Rungovian delegation were criminals that's what I thought was going to happen okay but I was wrong <laughs> anyway meanwhile we've got Una and Lon, who's talking about, you know, where fun goes to die and how much they actually like being on board ship when it's empty and everybody else is gone and how they were looking forward to doing, you know, examination of the power modules and the phasers and redoing duty roster, blah, blah, blah. And they get a security alarm and it's two ensigns who were going to go outside. They were, going to, they were in the airlock and they were going to go outside. And I love this. They're going to do interview these ensigns and then they, when they get there, they both shout, try to shout bad cop at the same time, but Lon says it first. Right. That was like the funniest right. moment for me. They both really like to be bad cop. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then we get to see them doing the bad cop, good cop. It was hilarious. It was so funny. They interview these two ensigns separately. Lon is all mean. Una's all nice. They both get the same information. 
the ensigns are doing enterprise bingo. Right. And one of the things they're trying to do is get outside onto the hull of the ship where there is a scorched piece of hull mm-hmm. and sign their name on it. Right. Which I love. Yeah. I love that layer of sort of culture. It's ridiculous, but it's hilarious. Yeah. Anyway, so, and then they both are like talking to us privately going, what's Enterprise Bingo? They have no idea. Right. So Lon finds the list in a quarters that she investigated as part of her job, which she really just went in to find this list. Right. And so they actually start doing the Enterprise Bingo. And it was funny. It was so funny, the things that they do. So apparently one of the, one of the things you do is you go into the turbo lift and you both engage the turbo lift with your command at the same time. And see who whose command wins. Right. So they went in and one said bridge and the other said engineering and Una won with the engineering. The other one is, I guess they were going to shoot each other with phasers yeah. on low. I didn't know whether they were going to try to like just see if the phasers energy would hit each other or what. But Una backed out at the last moment and got hit. Yeah. <laughs> and said, oh, that hurt. But they both find this very unsatisfying because... The whole point of the Enterprise Bingo is to break the rules, and they're the ones who make the rules. Right. So for them, it's just nothing. We're going to pause right here for a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, Doug Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. Doug here from the 13th Warehouse. If you are a fan of Eureka, please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka at EurekaRewatch.com. If you're a fan of Warehouse 13, please join Kim and Vicky over at the 13th Warehouse at the13thwarehouse.com. You can also listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse. And we're back. So then we get back to Chapel, who's talking to Ortegas, who is warning her off giving Vulcan's relationship advice because we should get attacked by a Lirpa. <laughs> it's unpleasant, right. which is one of those big, big, wide half-circle blades that they used in the original series that got Kirk's shirt torn. Oh, of course. Okay. <laughs> and then Chapel sees T'Pring coming and thinks, oh my goodness, I'm in trouble. But then T'Pring, who's actually Spock, says, I'm actually the one in trouble and I need your help. I need you to get help me get T'Pring out. But in the first place, I, but first I've got to talk about do these negotiations. So he brings Chapel with him as T'Pring, tries to talk to this bad guy who starts to harass her about marrying a half-human. And then Spock hits him. But it's T'Pring. Yeah. <laughs> and, and knocks him unconscious and that's how he's captured. Right. And he was, I can't remember what they called him. It won't come to me anymore. I believe... He was part of that group in Enterprise. The uh, the one that Chapal led? No, 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 no. The one that mind melded with Chapal forcefully and... Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, oh, why I can't I that. remember? Because she said the name of their group. They're Vulcans that gave up logic or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Now I just can't remember the name. But they did say it in this episode, too. And I don't remember. Uh, okay, I just been looking it up. Is it... Vitash Couture? Yes, yes. Okay, Vitash yeah. Couture. They were th- so those are the Vulcans who gave up logic. They were the shipload of Vulcans that visited the Enterprise. Yeah. And the one creepy guy, mind-melded with T'Pol, which gave her that disease. Yes. Okay, so then after Spock and Spring's body knocks this guy unconscious, then... Dr. Mbenga and Nurse Chapel figure out a way to return Spock and T'Pring's Katras back to the appropriate body using some kind of sea urchin paste. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 
they and they zapped him back, and apparently it wasn't pleasant. And Chapel was like, "We're going to get nerve pitched for this, aren't we?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they get back to their what place? They get a better understanding of each other. He admits that he's worried she won't love him because he's half human. She admits that he she's worried that she he's only going to marry her because it's part of his duty. And so they are understanding of each other, and they empathize with each other and their positions. Then we go back to the negotiations and the Rungovians are like you know what we're done oh I should have said before they came back together Spock was in the negotiations or to bring in Spock's body that she was doing a very nice job and the Rungovians were like totally like doing logic banter yes but then when they asked about all the different cultures in the federation to bring answers about how difficult it is that Spock is being taken away from his culture and Spock is not, you know, spending time with his culture. And then Captain Pike jumps in and says, wanted to say thank you to Spock because you're one of the best officers in the fleet because you are so good at understanding how important the Federation is and how important it is to bring your culture to the table and understand other people's cultures. I mean, he's really talking to Prank. Right. But he's doing it as he's he's talking to Spock, which actually impresses the Rongovians because he's empathizing with his crewmen and the challenges of maintaining one's culture while still working in this multicultural environment. Anyway, so the Rongovians say, we will allow you to speak to us one more time tomorrow. And then they leave. So the next day, when they sit down with Captain Pike, and Captain Pike has his opportunity to make one more argument for them to join the Federation, he tells them not to. And he says, he essentially empathizes with their perspective about how, you know, they had just come out of the Klingon War and, you know, who knows what other war they could go into and how the Rungovians might be dragged into it with them and how difficult that might be. And they were right to consider that this might be a high price to pay to join the Federation. Then the Rungovians are like, thank you very much. And they leave. And the Admiral's like, what did you do? And Pike's like, You know, we were told that they were empathetic. So maybe what they needed from us was radical empathy, understanding their position, just listening and understanding and and assuring them that we understood their position. And so, you know, the Admiral's like, okay. And then the next thing we know, the Rangovian flagship, which is a solar sail ship, apparently it's very ancient and very revered in their culture, and they bring it for formal occasions. I love that so ship. Solar sail opens up, and it's really beautiful. I really love it the re- idea of solar sails. It kind of reminded me, although this was more elaborate, of the ship that Cisco built. Yes. This was more elaborate, obviously, but... Yeah, that was the episode, Deep Space Nine episode, Explorers. Yeah. Great episode. So they open up their solar sail, and they're flying the flag of the Federation to show that they have decided that they're going to join the Federation because they they got the radical empathy that they were looking for. So meanwhile, we wrap up the Una and Lon storyline. They're on the hull of the ship. They have erected a force field, and they're walking on the hull of the ship outside to the Scorch, so that they can sign their names on it. They finish that up, they look up, and they see the Rogovian flagship with its solar sails displayed fly over their head. And it's beautiful against the backdrop of the stars and the space station. And I thought it was funny because how much more fun could you have than that? So fun, fun definitely did not die there. So, And then our last scene, we see Chapel talking to Ortegas. And Chapel's finally dumped the would-be boyfriend who she's not actually really interested in. And then we also 
all of a sudden see the wheels in Chapel's mind turning and we realize that she has fallen for Spock. And so this is the beginning of that crush on Spock that she's had for years. Right. And if I didn't know the backstory, you know, from the original series, I would almost think from this episode that she's falling for Ortega. Yeah. And Ortega certainly is a strong character there with her advice and her interest in Chapel's happiness, etc. Yeah. Yes. And who knows? Maybe it is. Maybe they might go deviate a little bit from, I don't even know what would be a deviation from canon. We don't know what Chapel did before we saw her in the original series. Right. And we did have a relationship with Ortega's. Yeah. We don't know. In in, uh, the original series, it was just kind of like a crush. I'm not a crush, but it never went anywhere. Right. So there we go. So that was the end of the story. Did I miss anything? No, I don't think so. I have to say, I love this episode. I really liked it. It was just, there was a couple of things that when we got to it, I was like, oh no. I mean, fortunately, they didn't go the way I thought they were going to go, but you know, the body swap thing, but I did really like it. The only thing I would have liked to have had would have been to have some kind of acknowledgement from the Rongovians. It seemed a little abrupt to sort of say thank you and then have them leave and then fly the flag of the Federation. There seems like there was a little bit of a missing connection there, but maybe that was just cultural. Right. You know, but for I, the Rongovians. But I, other than that, I mean, that's a small thing as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I but I, the rest of the episode was outstanding. Yeah, but I, I do think they say that at the beginning before we saw the negotiations. Yeah, and I might have missed that. So maybe, maybe I'll go back and watch it again. Maybe that's how they do it. But I know that flying the flag was mentioned earlier in the episode. Yeah. And I may have interpreted it as a sort of an analogy as opposed to an actual flying the flag. So that's why I may have missed it. Anyway, so that's that's the end of that episode. And I got to tell you, I loved <laughs> I loved this episode. I love the Vulcan logical hijinks and the Freaky Friday <laughs> thing. <laughs> I thought it was fun. So on a scale of 1 to 10, what would you give this one? I'm giving it a 7.9 because... Okay. Only because it was predictable a little bit, but I would like to see more of these kind of episodes thrown in because it was enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to give it 8.5. I do not see the name of the next episode. Have you been able to find it? Oh, I forgot to look. I should have looked. No, I didn't. I did... I did check IMDb, and I checked um, Memory Alpha, and neither one of them had a name up yet. Oh, okay. Okay, so we're going to invite our listeners to join us next time as we talk about Strange New World Season 1, Episode 6, title as of yet unannounced. Okay, we'll see you then. We'll see you then. You can continue exploring the universe with Moms Going Boldly by following us on Facebook at facebook.com slash momsgoingboldly, and on Twitter at Moms Going Boldly. The music used on Moms Going Boldly is Without Limits by Ross Bugden Music. On Twitter, at Ross Bugden. Licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license, creativecommons.org. You can listen to Moms Going Boldly on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. And we're now also available on Apple Podcasts. Transfer complete.